with your Bible on it, let's hold them up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now look over at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous, marvelous. So this month, as we start a new year, I want to speak on the, uh, in, a, in a series uh, on leadership. Uh, I don't often speak and preach on leadership, and I need to do more of that. Um, I think it's important that we learn, and so I want you to have that opportunity. I thought, well, you know, we ought to go about six months on this, and, and I could, but then I got to thinking it could be information overload. <laughs> so um, oftentimes, um, uh, shorter messages make a better uh, reception. So just want to give you, I want to, I want to give you some things to think about and consider. And today I want to talk about proven leaders and what it takes to be a proven leader. And there's three things that we need to uh, see in our leaders. Uh, some churches, uh, you may have been a part of a church growing up or maybe in a church that had a number of Timothys that were in that church. And so they oftentimes will put their pictures on a wall like in the foyer of the church. And uh, this one little boy came up to the preacher at, the, at a church that had those and he said, hey, who are these people in these pictures? And he said, well, I mean, the, the simple answer is they're Timothys. And then, of course, the question that this young person asked was, then what's a Timothy? <laughs> And the preacher explained that Timothys are men and women who have left this church or have been a part of this church at one time and are now either preaching somewhere at another church or on the mission field uh, serving the Lord full time. And uh, so it's really important to understand that Timothys rise out of the church. I was at a conference in Chicago some years ago and in a class that dealt with um, encouraging people to become ministers of the gospel of Christ on a full-time basis. And so around the room, the, the, the leader asked, uh, he wanted to know what size churches, because he was saying normally you would see, you would think that these large churches are sending out thousands of young people into the ministry. And this room probably had 50, 60 uh, preachers in it. And he said, uh, uh, let's raise your hand if you grew up in a church of a thousand or more. There was one hand. He said, how many of you grew up in a church from 500 to 1,000? About three hands. He said, how many of you grew up in a church of 250 to 500? About half the room. Then he said, how many of you grew up in a church less than 250? All the rest of us put up our hands. And we far outweighed all the others. So it's really not about the size of the church, is it? It's about what's being taught, about what's being shown by example on what leadership should be. And everything I'm going to say about leadership this whole month not only applies to people in the church who are leaders or outside the church who are leaders, but they apply to each of us as individual Christ followers. And if we're going to walk with Christ, then we're going to need to embody these characteristics in our life. And so it's really important. Uh, one of the things, I just want to give you a little background on who Timothy was. Maybe you already know uh, this will be uh, repeat information, but some of you may not know. Timothy came from a mixed marriage. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. How could he be a preacher and be from a mixed marriage? <gasps> Ooh. His mother was Jewish. Her name was Eunice. His father was Greek. 
He grew up in a part of, the, of what is now known as Turkey, uh, in the town of Lystra. It's altogether possible that the father had died or left his family, but at any rate, Timothy grew up under the influence of a mother and a grandmother, and her name was Lois. So Eunice and Lois, mom and grandmother, helped raise Timothy. That's, that's not too unlike what we see today in our churches, is it? We see a lot of the grandmothers, a lot of the mothers make sure those kids are at church. Dads have become missing entities, and that's unfortunate. It's terribly unfortunate because we have some of the problems we have because dads aren't dads. If you're going to be man enough to bring them into the world, then you ought to be man enough to stand up in the world and help raise them. Amen? Yeah. It's about this high time, high time. But uh, Timothy grew up under the influence of these two ladies. He became a Christian during one of Paul's missionary trips uh, to his hometown. And Paul later referred to him, uh, Timothy, as his son in the faith because they became so close and Timothy became so excited about the ministry. Paul passes through Lystra later. He invites Timothy to join his mission team. And one of the things that I love about our young people is that when we challenge them, they, they at least try. And that's, what, that's all God asks for us to do is to try. Now, we may not be mighty and we may not have all the fancy stuff, but let's try. Let's give it a run for its money and let's see. One of the things anybody can do in any church is love each other. We can. We can love each other. You may not look right. <laughs> you may not act right, but you can love people. And that's what's fun about being a family, isn't it? Is that we've, we've all got diversity of people within our families. Uh, we had a late Christmas family gathering with Cindy's family. It's always interesting. Those are always interesting. And uh, it's fun to listen to people's stories. And then there's certain people that, that show up and you just wonder, hmm, what are they going to do today? <laughs> or there's people who don't show up and you go, glad they're not here. But nevertheless, there's characters in every group and especially in churches, amen? Because we're all family. And some of us, hopefully we're not on the, they're not here side. Hopefully we're on the, well, what are they going to do today? I don't know. But that's what makes us fun, is that we're all creatures that are imperfect. And we're all working to better ourselves. We're all works in progress. We should never, ever forget it. And so Timothy was this way, and he traveled with Paul. And uh, Timothy served uh, sometimes as a scribe, he wrote letters that Paul dictated to the churches. More than that, he became Paul's go-to person. When Paul needed something, Timothy was there to help him, to, 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 to write it down, get the word out. Uh, he sent him as a messenger and a representative, his representative, some of the most troublesome situations. Uh, he didn't pick others, he picked Timothy. Uh, the two letters that bear his name, First and Second Timothy, uh, carried instructions for his ministry in Ephesus, where he was sent to help organize the church, guide in the selection of elders and leaders, and instruct the church on dealing with false teachers who threaten their well-being. When this letter was written, the, the letter of Philippians, that's where we're going to be, by the way, in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, Paul was in jail, most likely under house arrest in Rome for preaching the message of Jesus. And after Timothy arrives... Um, or I should say after a messenger arrived from one of his closest churches in Philippi, where we're going to look at here in just a few moments, they brought a financial gift and some questions about how he was doing. And so Paul writes back, and we have the book of Philippians, is that writing. He updates the situation. He's confident God is using him, even though he's in prison, to further the gospel. He did not let limit the prison bars be a limitation to him. Nor should you and I let, let whatever we face be a limitation to us. Always remember that the God is more powerful 
and faith in him is more great than anything that's going to come against us. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what happens in this country. Every leader who's selected or who becomes a dictator eventually will die. I think it's interesting that Hugo Chavez is on his fourth cancer surgery and it's not going well. Maybe there's a wake-up call for him. We should pray for that. Would be awesome. Wouldn't it be great to see Hugo Chavez become a, a, a believer in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior? Whew. Never know. It'll never happen if we don't pray about it. So we need to be that kind of, kind of people. But Paul was very thankful in, for the generosity of the Philippian people and the words of encouragement that they gave. In fact, in chapter 1 and verse 1, Timothy's with Paul, probably not under arrest himself, but he comes and goes helping Paul bring messages to and from for him and to encourage him as well. But in chapter 2, Paul promises to send Timothy to Philippi at a later date. And in the process, he offers some commentary about Timothy. He explains why he is such a respected leader. And he does so to use Timothy as an example of what a good leader is all about. We looked at that in Sunday school this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 12 to the end. It's very good. Go back and read that today, this afternoon, your devotion time, or tomorrow. It's an excellent section. But he wanted Timothy to be uh, accepted and respected. And the qualities listed uh, in his description of Timothy... Uh, back in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, offers uh, some important insights into the qualities that the Lord desires in all of his leaders and all of his people, because these apply to all of us. But I think there's uh, things that we, we need to see specifically, and there's three I've mentioned. Let's, let's do that real quickly. Uh, a leader needs a positive tongue. Positive tongues. Leaders need positive tongues. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may, may be cheered when I receive news about you. Would you underline in your Bible or highlight the word cheered? That I might be cheered when I receive news about you. Paul knew that he could count on Timothy for a good report. And the term cheered literally means good sold. Inside him, it was good. And so we need to understand that. And we need to be cheered about what we hear in people's lives, about those that we fellowship with, those that we go to church with. Uh, Paul knew good news from his church, and he had heard it, and it always brought joy to his soul. He felt great that the churches were still growing, that he had started and left to start others, and he was encouraged by that. Because words have the power to encourage or discourage. How many of you believe that? Well, they do. Uh, I was a little bit chided this morning. I very affectionately call our teenagers knotheads. But you know what? That's a negative word. So I'm going to change that. I'm going to tell them my, my uh, faithful teenagers. I love these guys. And I do. I, I, I put my life on the line for them. Because they are putting their life on the line in many, many ways and many, many times. You will never find a better group of servers than these young people. Uh, I can go to John 3.16 and set it in the corner and just watch. It's absolutely amazing. I don't have to do it. They're doing it. That's what it should be happening, is that we go down as adults, and we watch them serve. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, we can ask them to do, it's funny, because Chrissy and Chris are going to get into their uh, apartment toward the end of the month, and she was going to bribe them to come help her move. And they found out she's moving next door to Union High School. And they said, oh, we don't think so. <laughs> I mean, they were really, they said, no, we're not going to help. 
She said, well, you can wear your Jinx stuff. And I said, oh, you want them to, to be killed? Right, so this wasn't a good year for Union Jinx. She said, good for Jinx, but not for Union. But then when she said, well, it's so I can be closer to my grandmother, they said, oh, okay, all right. So they, they said they'd be willing to help. As long as there was pizza involved, they said that'd be great. But words encourage or discourage. Uh, it, encouragement brings courage. Discouragement drains courage. Think about that. It drains it. Drains it. And that's exactly what positive words can do, especially words, the words of leaders. Leaders need to be encouragers. I love it when things don't look good and it looks bleak and you have a leader stand up and say, man, this, this, there's hope. There's hope. Our best days are ahead. Here we go. Here we go. We can do this together. We can do this together. You know, that's the type of words that we need, even when it looks bleak. But church, and our church is like every church, it needs leaders who can be encouragers. Uh, we all kind of chuckle at Don's um, greeting. He'll, if, if he knows you past a day, <laughs> he'll come up to you and say, how are you doing? I, I can't do it with the, with the inflection he does, but you, all, how many of you have experienced the, how are you doing? Yeah, okay. And then when you ask him how he's doing, he usually says, I'm happily on my way to heaven. Uh, Jack Franklin has not been able to attend uh, for some time because his wife Arlene has uh, dementia, and it's uh, hard to leave her alone. But when you'd say, hi, Jack, he'd say, how you doing? He'd say, I'm terrifical. That's not even a word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's a word he made up, and it works well for him. And you just feel better after you've heard somebody speak a positive thing. Amen. We need to be about that business and doing more positive speaking. So we need leaders in churches and in our church who, who don't measure in the sowing of despair and fear, but leaders who can cheer the hearts and souls of people with those positive tongues. We need those type of leaders. We need leaders who think positive because they see through eyes of faith. They are not pie-in-the-sky dreamers who, wish, who try to wish away problems. Rather, they are faith-in-the-Lord believers who know their God is greater than any circumstance or any problem. We finished 2012 with the, with the highest amount of giving that we've had in all 18 years of my ministry here with you. That's your, that's your goal. That's you. That's you doing it in a church our size. It's amazing. We're going to end up uh, almost $30,000 ahead from what we budgeted. Hallelujah to the Lord. It's because you give. It's because you give, not because I'm such a fabulous preacher, which I, I know is part of it. I, I really do. But you give because of that leader at the cross who died for you. That's why you give. And so I'm grateful for you. But I'm, I'm just so excited about what God has in store for us. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. But Paul's writing from a prison cell but he's convinced that the Lord he served has more power than any of those chains that he finds himself in. And guess what? He still is. If you're burdened by finances, God is greater. If you're burdened by health concerns, God is greater. If you're troubled by family issues, God is greater. If you've got young people at home and they're just giving you fits, our God is greater. We got a chance to babysit for an extended time last night with Kelsey and Braden and it was great. Kelsey just went right to bed like she always does. I, I don't know. Jeff and Misty are doing such a great job with her and 
uh, Braden, uh, he, he slept and then he ate and then he didn't want to go to sleep. So he was letting us have it pretty good. And we were having a good time. But he got to crying and he couldn't stop crying for some reason and he got to sweating in his uh, flannel pajamas and so Cindy took those off of him and then she took a picture of him and sent it to Misty and said, it's party time. <laughs> and she said, she said, LOL, we're on our way home. So anyway, um, it was awesome. But just to watch them smile and to watch them respond and, you know, that's, you can't beat it. But we need to speak positive words. And when I was getting him to go to sleep for a little nap, I just found myself singing to him like I used to, to Jeff. And uh, he just kind of looked up at me and said, hmm. But it was awesome. And pretty soon his arm's over his eyes and he's out. That's the way it's supposed to go. But our God is more powerful than any chains that we find in our lives. Parents don't give up. Young people don't give up on your parents. They're doing the best they know how. So pray for them. Pray for your parents as they pray for you. And I know they're mean and ugly and they, they're unreasonable. I know parents are like that. They are totally unreasonable. And one day you'll get to be one of them. <laughs> and you'll be totally unreasonable. You will. But we don't need leaders who are paralyzed by fear or negative thinking. We need leaders who can see the hand of God in any and every circumstance. A Georgia farmer, ragged and barefooted, was standing on the steps of his tumble-down shack. A stranger stopped by for a drink of water. He, the stranger says, hey, how's your cotton coming along? He said, well, I ain't got none. Well, do you plant any? Did you plant any? Asked the stranger. Uh, said, uh, nope, nope. Uh, afraid of the boll weevils. Well, how's your corn? Didn't plant any. How come? Afraid there weren't going to be no rain. So the stranger persevered, and he says, well, how about your potatoes? They ain't got none. Scared of potato bugs. Well, what did you plant? Well, nothing. The guy's reply was, he said, I just played it safe. <laughs> and we don't need leaders who play it safe. We need leaders willing to take great risks because they are men of great faith who believe in an even greater God. I'm telling you, we serve a great God who's ready to do great things when his people respond to him. It's not about us. It's all about God. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. So I want to see leaders who know how to be good gossips. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting way to put that, isn't it? It means men and women who major in positive speech. You see, most gossip is by nature negative, so we delight in passing along tidbits of negative information, we, but we cloak it in prayer requests, right? Hey, listen, we need to be praying for because, you know, we need to say, we need to pray for them because that's what God wants us to do. Yeah, that's received a whole lot differently, isn't it? It's, it's designed to hurt and destroy, negative gossip is, but perhaps we think we somehow look better or bigger. I don't know if we cut other people down. I used to use a lot of sarcasm in my speech, and I've cut it all out because people don't receive it right. They just don't receive it well. If we can lace all of our words with grace, mercy, kindness, gentleness, boy, what a difference it'll make. And put a smile on your face when you're talking to people. You say, well, I don't smile very well. Well, do the best you can. <laughs> but it really, it really makes a difference. 
I wonder what would happen if everyone in our church, especially leaders, majored in good gossip. What if we pledged to never say anything but positive news about other people? What if our leaders were encouragers, cheerleaders, and promoters of the welfare of others? Wow, what a difference it would make, amen? That's what I love about Walmart. Well, I used to. They're not that way as much as they used to be. Remember? Come to the door and they were ready to greet you. Hey, how you doing? They used to have a sign up that says, if there's more than three in line, we'll open another cash register. Yeah, those days are long gone. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive, though. But you know, we, we can't do enough of that. We can't say enough good things to people. Take a moment. Just slow down a minute. Take a breath and say, how you doing? How you doing? But really mean it when you ask them, how you doing? Or do it with Don's, in, you know, how you doing? I, I can't do it, but he, he does. So leaders need positive tongues, which leads me to our, our, our second thought here, and that leaders need selfless hearts. Selfless hearts. In Philippians 2, verses 20 and 21, it says, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Would you underline or highlight the phrase, a genuine interest in your welfare? We need to have leaders in our lives that take a genuine interest in us, that want the best for us, that do what they can to help us receive the best that they possibly can. Part of it's just how we speak to each other. And there's enough backbiting. There's enough negativism. Let's be positive, and let's be complimentary, and let's be those type of leaders and Christ followers that do that in people's life. But the sad commentary is we don't do that. We, it's hard for us to receive a compliment, isn't it? Someone may come up to you and say, man, you, I think you've lost weight. No, well, no, no, no. First thing we say is we get negative real quick. Because, you know, we know if we have or, or haven't, but it's, that's not important. It says someone's trying to pay us a compliment, receive it. Receive it in the love of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. You know, they may come up to you and say, boy, you look great. I don't know, what, have you done something different to you here? Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. Just receive it. Receive it. Be a gracious receiver. And then respond positively. Great churches are led by men who have no need to always be right or always get their way. I had a dear friend who was a leader in church who told me, he said, you'll know you're maturing when you don't have, ha don't have to have the last word. When you don't have to have the last word. So true. So true. These are men who humbly know that they often make mistakes and can easily miss important information. Good leaders depend on fellow leaders to help them see the bigger picture and to make better decisions. Good leaders learn to think like Jesus. The first five verses of chapter 2 start out this way. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being, in, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Leaders need positive tongues and selfless hearts. And leads me to the third point, and that is leaders need willing hands. Willing hands. In verse 22, it says, But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Underline that word, served. 
I like that word served. Paul's terminology is very educational, very instructive. His term for serve in this verse comes from the vocabulary of words that deals with slavery. Timothy wasn't just a leader who served from a position of superiority or esteem. He slaved for others. He was their servant. That's the best kind of leader. Those who serve and lead by example. That's what you need in leaders. Amen? You don't need a leader to make a promise and to get on a plane and fly to Hawaii. You need a leader who's going to stay the course. Good leaders are willing to get their hands dirty. Really important. When I would go to John 3.16 with these guys when they were much younger, we had, to do, I, we had to do a lot of the work. The adults did. But it's been so awesome to step back and watch them take those roles. Right now, when we get there, the first thing we do is make tea. Because <laughs> you've got to make tea for 125, 130 people. And most of the time, we're just standing back watching them because they already know what to do. They know where the ice is. They know what they just know. It's awesome. It's just awesome. And so I'm encouraged by that. I hope you are. Uh, we're going to have a chance this year. Chrissy's got several things planned for them and, and you, and we hope that you'll get involved in their lives in a deeper way as those come along. But no job is too small or obscure. I used to have a cartoon. I couldn't find it. I was going to put it on the screen. But it's a, a Mad Magazine character kneeled down by a toilet cleaning it. And the, the caption is, leadership is not an elevated position. <laughs> so if you're, if you're not willing to clean the toilets, being a leader might be tough for you. Because we've got to be able to do that. Also, good leaders don't need a spotlight. They can work and serve in obscurity. They don't require credit and acclaim. And there are those who are being served that should express appreciation and gratitude. Uh, be a, but a good leader keeps going even if he's overlooked or disrespected. But we should praise our leaders. We should. Give them a good word. Pat on the back. Extra hug. Words of encouragement. A slave has no rights. He has no claim or fairness or justice. His job is to serve. Good leaders are good slaves to Christ and his church. So all the men that have served this church as an elder or a deacon or are going to, uh, we're going to have also a congregational meeting here in a couple of weeks to uh, select some of these men that have stepped up and said they want to serve. I'm very encouraged by that. I hope you are. And so we're going to select them and talk, to, uh, talk about that uh, in a couple of weeks. But we appreciate all the men and all the women that serve in this church. We simply could not get things done without your help. Uh, communion bread. Uh, someone makes that. Uh, preparation for the communion every Sunday. Different ones of you volunteer on a monthly basis to come and get that prepared for each service that we have. Uh, our little children, and we need your help. We need more of you to help with our children's uh, teaching uh, area at the church. We just need you to help. Uh, the more we can get to help, the, more, the less one or two have to do all the work. And so that's important. So consider helping us with that. Uh, we need to have our nursery uh, attendance here every week, ready to go. Uh, we're going to do a better job of getting the nursery tended to. It used to be cleanliness was the most important thing that parents looked for. Now it's security. Now it's security. Now cleanliness needs to happen, don't get me wrong. But security is high. Very important. Very important. So we're working on that 
to improve our security here with our children. But we want to, I want to honor you men and you women that don't sit on the sideline, that you, you are stepping into the game and you're ready to play. Uh, and we honor you and respect you for what you're doing. And uh, we have, we have uh, the power to make them even better leaders by our words of encouragement. Amen? And by our getting involved, when they ask for help, we step in and say, I'll, I'll do what I can. Uh, I can't tell you enough over the last year or two how many of you have just been willing to step up. Uh, I think of Don and Pat, for instance, how often they've been so willing to step up and to lead. I appreciate that more than you'll know. Gary Kasda. Uh, there's times that uh, Gary comes in and there's a problem. I'll mention it to him. He'll try to track it down. Then he comes and he stands at my door and shakes his head like this. And I said, well, what challenge do we have now? <laughs> and it's always important. We did find out that we have a couple of extension cords up in the attic that run uh, power things in our church. So that's, that's kind of fun. Um, but they're there. And, and I said, well, Gary, shouldn't we change that? He said, it hadn't burned down yet. Let's leave it alone. I said, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, some things just kind of, you kind of shake your head and go, hmm, but it's okay. God's in control. And I uh, thank you for all of, all of you that serve and have served and are willing to serve. But I want to close with a paraphrase. I've got a story to paraphrase of this text. If Paul were writing it to the church today, he might say something like this. We're glad in the Lord Jesus that we have men like you who are leaders in our church. We are cheered by your positive report about what's happening. We're grateful that you are not like some leaders in some churches who are only interested in themselves. We are blessed to have men like you who are concerned about the welfare of others, the church, and especially about the message of Jesus. You have proved yourselves. We are glad to work with you, and God is doing good things through you. And so men that are going to step up here shortly, and uh, all of you women that have helped in so many ways, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It could not be done without you. Absolutely could not be done without you. During Nazi, the Nazi occupation of his country in World War II, King Christian X of Denmark noticed a Nazi flag flying over a Danish public building. He immediately called the German commandant, demanding that the flag be taken down at once, and the commandant refused. Then a soldier will go and take it down, said the king. He will be shot, threatened the commandant. Oh, I think not, replied the king, for I shall be that soldier. And the flag was removed immediately. That's what leadership is. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you need to be. But our leader does. Our leader led us to death. But hallelujah, led us to eternal life. Amen. Satan thought he won. <laughs> and three days later, he rose again. There's our hope. Let's share that news with people. Let's share those good words with people. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning and time just to introduce a little bit on leadership. Father, I pray that we will be people that speak well. Encouragers, not discouragers. Father, I pray that we will be people of faith, that we'll have leaders who are men of faith, women of faith, that, Father, we will do what you've called us to do and be obedient when we hear your voice. Uh, Father, I'm thankful that Don heard your voice yesterday. I'm glad that he was looking at anointing oils <laughs> when you knocked on his head. Father, it's just so good to know that you hear us. And it's good to know that you still 
assist us. So, Father, I'm asking today that there may be someone here that realizes that they haven't been maybe the leader in their home or the leader in their own life. They haven't surrendered to your leadership. Because ultimately, when we, make, when we settle that question of who's going to be in charge of my life and we allow you to be that person, boy, it just changes everything. So, God, I'm praying today that there may be somebody here that doesn't know you, their personal Savior. What a great day to, to make that decision. So we can teach them, if they'd let us know, so we could teach them and help them understand that decision. It's more than just coming forward at a church and saying, I want to follow Jesus. We want them to understand what they're doing. For too long, we've just taken people and not educated them and taught them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We want to do that better. And Father, maybe there's somebody here that they're looking for a church home, and I can't recommend a better one than this. We're certainly... Uh, works in progress but we'll do the best we can to love people the way your son Jesus showed us how and then as we've had earlier a time of prayer maybe this someone uh, this service has touched them in a way where they said you know I could use some extra prayer in my life well, that invitation never closes so if that's the decision would they make it this morning and whatever they need would they let us know so we can be your arms your feet your mouths your eyes, your ears. In Jesus' name, amen.